When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. Hello and welcome to On the Farm Pitcher List podcast about all things prospect, dynasty, and minor league related. I am your host, Lamar Gibson. And I'm your host, Jake Mache. And today we're specifically looking at prospects that are surging up on leaderboards, putting up some interesting stats uh, at the high and low levels of the minor leagues. Uh, so we're specifically focusing on prospects that are pretty much outside of top 150 uh, coming into the season. And uh, they've you know seemingly been outperforming those expectations thus far. And essentially what we're trying to answer uh, for each of these prospects that we've uh, outlined here is is the stat line legit uh we're doing something that you know they typically say not to do in prospecting which is scouting the stat line uh you know typically you want to have some context behind it you want to know how they're getting to these results and not just what the results are but we're changing it up because uh sometimes you got to find those new names to dig in first and looking at the stat line is uh kind of the most effective way to do so for most dynasty players especially deep dynasty people so that's what the pod is uh before we do that we we definitely have a, a good bit of uh, this week in baseball to get to um i'm going to work backwards because oh you know what no i'm going to i'm going to keep it exactly how it is on the rundown let's start with the the biggest piece of news which is emission's uh promotion from d- double slash triple a his he like double jumped like in checkers uh so <laughs> for the or Dodgers. Like Mario. Right, there you go. Yeah, that's like, that's I guess yeah. that's even more timely with the movie. I, I would do the sound effect, but I don't want to <laughs> embarrass myself. <laughs> um Machine was promoted from uh the Dodgers double A team to triple A technically did not make a start, I don't believe, or maybe made one for their triple A team. Um and then immediately was called up to uh plug in as they had a, a kind of shortened week. Um, and so he made his debut yesterday. We're, we're recording this on Saturday. So he made his debut on Friday. Uh, looked really good. Uh, six no-hit innings. So uh, unfortunately, I was unable to actually see live. I, I heard and read. Um, but Jake, you said that you were watching the whole thing from beginning to end. So how, yeah. how is she in looking? Yeah, so... Um... He was, I mean, he was looking really good. He threw the fastball 70% of the time, really relied on that pitch. Um, The Dodgers defense was incredible behind him. Like, I mean, we saw it with the final play um, of the sixth inning when Mookie Betts made the diving catch. Like there was a few times that Mookie Betts got some place where I thought he was not going to. He had no business being there and lo and behold. Um, And, you know, like infield defense was really good. So like, I mean, and the Dodgers historically the past few years have been one of the best teams at suppressing batting average on balls in play. So like they had one of their good nights. And I think that that really kind of um, contributed a lot to this. He did allow a lot of soft contact. uh, Sheehan did. 
And the kind of funny thing is, is that's really the only way I found to justify what he did. Um, you know, like it's like six no innings is obviously impressive, but he like didn't like get a ton of whiffs. He didn't get a ton of chases. Um, you know, didn't even really get a ton of like called strikes. His CSW was super low. Um, I have it pulled up here. It was a 21%, 21. CSW. Yeah, I was going to say, that's yeah. the number I saw, 21, 21.3, something like that. Right. He only got four whiffs total in 89 pitches, which is, oof, that's super low. It's like a, what, 5 or 6% swinging strike rate, um, 16% chase rate. That's really, really low. That I think the average is 29, 30. Um, and so, like, it's. I think he was super lucky on balls in play. Um, and the contact was pretty soft for the most part. His average EV was 88, um, only allowed a couple hard hit balls. So, you know, it's, um, you know, it's exciting to see what he did, but, um, it's, it's always also interesting. Okay. So Savant, oh my gosh, I wrote a whole article last night and I'm just looking at this now. So Savant had Emmett Sheehan's fastball as a sinker last night, um, as the start was happening. And so I wrote like a whole paragraph, two paragraphs probably in the article about how like, I thought it was a four seam fastball. Right. And so did everyone else with like, it looked like in double a hit a four seam fastball with good carry. And then in the debut, it was like, Oh, there's a bit more sink there. And then lo and behold, the savant was like, that's a sinker. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, wow, we were all fooled. And now savant has switched it back to four seam fastball this morning. So I look uh, like a fool. Rewrite, rewrite. <laughs> it's editor's, published. Editor's note, editor's note. Okay, yeah, there you go. Um, but anyway, so um, so it looks like he has a four seam fastball, but it did like the pro, like the movement profile was like like as I was looking at like the horizontal vertical movement, like it was sinking a lot more than I think we expected too. So mm. I will not say anything more about that because I do not know what to think about his fastball, but he did throw it sixty nine percent of the time, and um, you know, it doesn't like didn't get a ton of whiffs. Uh, you know, again, soft contact, like a lot of contact, not a lot of chases, you know? So it's like, I am kind of waiting to see how the stuff continues to play. Um, and I also know that he doesn't have like a cemented spot in the rotation. So I'm not jumping to grab him in redraft, mm-hmm. but I am still excited for him in dynasty. Like he'll be yeah. fine. He, he like led all the minor leagues and strikeout rate. Um, yeah. He had like a 42% strikeout rate in the, in the minors. So, um, there's obviously something working there. It was his debut against the Dodgers, who are a lot better than double A hitters. Oh, Giants. Um, the Giants, the yeah. Four, four Dodgers, pitches for the Dodgers, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's gonna be a bit of a, a bit of a jump, and however you have to get through the start, like he still allowed no hits. So um, I think he'll be fine. But it's just interesting to see that the kind of the swing and miss numbers and the um, you know kind of like the command stuff is like not nearly as good as what you would expect with that kind right. of performance. Right. Well, it seems like not even that the command stuff wasn't as good as much as me. Well, the control was there. Command iffy. This the swing and miss stuff wasn't there, and it seems like almost like a very a start that <laughs> this is this will be an odd one. It almost seems like a JP France type of start of like how is he doing this? <laughs> There's nothing overpowering about what he's doing, yet he's able to go and like like limit uh you know limit hard contact uh, you know depending on the team and limit runs earned and um a couple things that i was having conversations with people in the lead up like once we knew that Sheehan was starting so yes again on on friday uh morning and afternoon going into his debut start um i was 
posting a couple things on our Reddit AMA hosted by Scott Shue every every Friday. You should come and hang out, ask some questions, get some answers, hopefully. Um, and I was posting that like because there were a lot of questions about Shein, kind of what my thoughts were going in, which is definitely like the the option to stream him in a redraft against the Giants. Like I think that that was a good that felt like a good not super soft, but like a softer landing spot to like make your debut versus like some of the other teams that are real thumpers out there. Yeah. Um, so I like that, but I was saying, you know, unless you're in like a 15 team or more redraft, I don't like you were saying, I don't see a need to run out and add him. Um, especially because we don't know that he has solidified spot, something different than Bobby Miller. When Bobby Miller came up, it was pretty much like obvious. Like he's locked in. We're we're promoting him because he's ready to be a part of the rotation going forward. Um with uh Sheehan, it it still seems like maybe it's a spot start, maybe he'll get another one. But as I was telling people, I could see in another week, week and a half, where it's like now it's Landon Knack's turn. Now it's Kyle Hurt's turn. Like they have enough guys, especially on that Tulsa like team, and then going into AAA that they can kind of spin through if they're trying to just fill some innings while they are trying to get healthy. Um, right. So Sheen doesn't have that locked in. He always has had um, some reliever risk. I think more so than again like a Bobby Miller, just to make that comparison. Um, and I think part of what we're seeing mechanically and command wise, you could kind of see some of that of like, Oh, okay. You know, is he always going to be able to get these types of results uh, every time out? Like maybe, maybe not if he's struggling to, to um, maximize or optimize his stuff to get those swing and, and misses that he would need, especially as a starter. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a couple of things to like, keep a note. I don't know. Cause I did not do this research uh, and maybe you have it in front of you, Jake. And if not, that's okay. Like, I also wonder how much of this is because of his opponent. Like, I don't know with the giants. I know their offense aren't real thumpers per se, but I wonder like what their team sort of average is when it comes to making contacts, like how often they swing, generally speaking, some of those things, because I wonder if it's just, they are a team that is, um, better or, or maybe above league average when it comes to just making general contact, hence the number of balls in play, uh, but not necessarily going to knock it out of the ballpark all the time. I don't know. Like I said, I didn't do that research. I, so I did pull it up just now. So strikeout rate, they have the fourth highest. Mm. Um, WRC plus, they are um ninth ninth highest they're at 106 as a team and i did hear a stat on the broadcast last night i didn't remember what it is exactly but apparently they've been much better recently so let me do a a kind of query just for the last month uh it's june 17th so we'll go to may 17th submit custom date and see if that changes. Um, so it's a 111 WRC plus over the last month. Um, and they're at that sixth in baseball. So, um, and then the strikeout rate, have they improved at all? A little bit marginally, still pretty high. Um, so so blow, they're blow been sneaky. Theory. I think sneaky good. <laughs> Blowing my theory out of the water. <laughs> um, but that's okay. Uh, so yeah, it's just got, it was kind of a conundrum of a start. Uh, if you streamed them though, you're happy. If you have them in mm-hmm. Dynasty, I think you're happy. Uh, yeah. And yeah, it, it'll be interesting to note when he gets his next start at the major league level, 
right? Like, mm-hmm. the, do they keep them? Do they option them down? When does that happen? And then I'll be curious against the opponent and, and to see how he does. But, um, yeah, yet another pitching debut. I was trying to keep up mm-hmm. with, like, all the different pitching debuts that we've seen, like, especially of, like, pretty well-known guys. Um, and I, 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 just off the top of my head, I know I was still missing some. Um, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. Another note. Um, another note with the Giants, just in case anyone's thinking about streaming against them, uh, they lead the league in OBP over the last month. Mm, mm. <laughs> so I, I didn't expect that at all either. Um, and then another one with Emmett Sheehan. I did look up the Stuff Plus numbers um, for the start. They just got live on Fentrex this morning, and uh, they're not like great. I think overall his Stuff Plus is. Um, let's see, 93, um, but they do classify his fastball as a sinker. Um, so I don't think anyone really know, <laughs> knows what's going on there. Uh, but it has a 106 stuff plus for whatever that's worth, even though it uh, might be misclassified. Someone's right. got it wrong. Um, right, like, somebody's but, um, got it wrong, somebody's got you it wrong. Know? And it's like, I mean, if, it, if we know how it moves, does it really matter what we call it? But mm. I think bottom line is it doesn't have as much like ride or carry as we might have expected. There might have been some trickery with like camera angles or something. Cause like double A it's, it, you know, it's mostly eye test and you got scouts and obviously I trust the scouts more than myself, but mm-hmm. um, cause like MLB pipeline again, said the same thing, like forcing fastball to carry. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that'll be something to watch how that kind of settles in um, and what we can expect from that. Because if it's like, I mean, a sinker is more of like a soft contact kind of pitch yeah, and then yeah, fastball, yeah. you'll get more whiffs and yeah. he got more whiffs and the lower levels of minors. And then he didn't get almost any last night. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, one other piece, and I know this came up too, just like a almost administrative, uh, in case you're, you're wondering, he, uh, Sheehan did play obviously double A. He plays, uh, the double A team is Tulsa drillers. Tulsa is in the Texas league. They are not in the Southern league. I know there are some questions about like, Oh, is there a tacky ball like influence here? Kind of the same, similar questions that we had about like Andrew Abbott and some other folks. There is not uh, because the tacky ball is only being used in AA Southern League, not in any of the other AA leagues. Also, according to the Baseball America article that I read um, about the tacky ball experiment uh, that was written a couple months ago, that experiment should be coming to a close. I believe the date was July 13th. Oh, praise the Lord. Oh, my gosh. So, well, I mean, it's a give and take there, right? Because now you're going to have another chunk of the season. So you're going to have some guys getting promoted into double A probably around that time mm-hmm. with no tacky ball at all. So their status can kind of be even. Yeah. But then you're going to have some and guys being go- removed from double A into triple A yeah. where you're like, okay, when would – and they're going to have some guys that just finish out double A and they're going to have almost like a bifurcated season of mm-hmm. like – April to July, April to mid-July yeah. was tacky ball time. And then July to finish out was right. not tacky ball. So like, it'll be very uh, Yeah, like two years from now, going back and looking at minor mm-hmm. league stats, you know, like, oh, his double A was great, but what 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 was he throwing with? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, oh, and yeah, what what That's part of the year? Mess. So uh just some something like I said, sort of almost administrative notes to keep in mind. Uh Tulsa in Texas League, not in uh Southern League. So yeah, the sinker uh, forcing thing I did not know about, so that's something to keep in mind. Uh, I will be even more curious now to see his next start wherever it is, because it'll be either be AAA where we'll have um, Savant Data, or it'll be in the major leagues. Uh, so it would be very interesting to note if he comes out with like 
spamming like 60% and it's definitely a four scene fastball across the board. And it's like all up in the zone. People are going to be so confused. <laughs> like, we'll so what see, was that first start? <laughs> right. And we'll see. And that's the thing is that his pitch locations, they were all up in the zone. He threw mm. three fastballs in the in the lower third of the zone. So like, mm. Um, mm. what? What was yeah. he throwing a sinker at the top of the zone? A sinker like, at the top of the zone. <laughs> yeah. Very odd. Um, moving on, we have uh, Luis Matos. So on, kind of on the other side uh, for the Giants, we have Luis Matos making his uh major league debut uh matos very fascinating i think the him essentially like almost falling off the prospect map last year uh has been very fascinating because i've seen a lot of conversations for redraft folks which makes sense but even some dynasty folks they're like oh luis matos like he's kind of coming out of nowhere like he's kind of turned it on it's like well you gotta remember guys like this guy mm-hmm. was like a top 50 prospect like two years ago Um, like it's not completely out of nowhere it's just he had one of the most horrendous seasons that she could probably have especially as a top 50 prospect last year uh also uh combine that with the injury that he had where he lost about a month and a half so uh he wasn't doing well before then (laughs) and the injury happened and then he was out and he came back and he did only like marginally better after the injury it was just a complete mess now this year he's completely reminded people who he was at the double A level into the triple A level. Um, and now he's in, still incredibly young, uh, 21 years, maybe 21 and a half now, um, in the major leagues. Nothing like completely flamboyant as far as his major league debut or the the first couple of games. Um, he's been pretty, you know, nondescript, but hasn't been bad, definitely. And uh, I think just the potential it's interesting here. He's not super big power, but I think he's, again, what was so appealing about him was advanced hit tool at his age and um, the sort of well-roundedness to his game, right? He was able to give you some average, some OBP, some uh, home runs, some stolen bases, and play a pretty, pretty good um, center field as well. So um, I'm a fan of Matos. I think I mentioned this in the previous uh, podcast that um, one of the managers on my uh, in my home league scooped him up kind of like for dirt cheap in the offseason, kind of making a one of those, you know, buy low sort of gambles and obviously paying off tremendously so far for that mm-hmm. person. And I'm kind of kicking myself for not trying to do the same. But I'll be honest, I was I was scared off like last year, completely scared me yeah. off because, again, he was so young. It's like, oh, maybe the 2021 season wasn't real. Like maybe we got it wrong about that. Uh, As I was actually talking to this particular manager, we were, you know, opining about, he was in the class. Matos was in the class. It was Matos, Luciano, and um, uh, Luis Toribio as well. And if you don't know Luis Toribio, there's kind of a reason why out of those three, he's the one that has not been able to figure it out really outside of um the the good a ball year that he had so you know it kind of scared me off being like maybe he's more in that boat uh luciano obviously he's dealt with injuries and now he's kind of um coming on a little bit stronger having some putting together uh some better games at double a level so it's just kind of like with young guys that struggle sometimes it's well they're young they struggle they'll bounce back and sometimes it's like oh no they're they're showing that they can't go any further and yeah I was out. This other person was in. He scoops up. Matos reaps the rewards thus far. 
Uh, what are you thinking about with Luis Matos? Yeah, I mean, uh, I actually just traded for him yesterday. So um, I like him at least a little bit. Smart man. Uh, yeah, he was kind of a throw-in, actually. It was, I got Ryan McMahon, Kyle Manzardo, and Luis Matos Ooh. in a league where I desperately needed offense. So I'm looking forward, forward to that. Um, and so, what did, you give? what did you give away? Oh, I okay, that's fair. Um, <laughs> Ryan Hayes, Jordan Montgomery, Rice Iglesias, and Bryson Stott, all guys that I wasn't really fond of. You know, yeah. I was kind of looking to offload a bunch of them. Like, because he asked me, he's like, "What, what don't you like? What could you give up?" And I gave him a list right. of like maybe ten guys, and he blessed that man. He picked from those lists, and I was yeah, like, all right. "I mean, yeah, I can get rid of those guys." And so. I think it worked out because I needed power. I've had I've had too many speedy mm-hmm. guys that doesn't have a lot of pop, and so I was looking for more power. Yeah, get rid of Stock, get rid of Hayes, definitely. Yeah, yep. yep. So anyway, um, so I mean, Matos was a, definitely a big part of that for me, and um, I was able to watch his at bats last night when I was watching the game, and he looks he looks really good. He drew I think two walks last night, like laid off some really tough pitches. Uh, you know, swing looks good, and um, you know it's wild. I was looking at it the other day, like before I traded for him and his strikeout rate this year, like it was already good mm-hmm. in everywhere he had been before, but this year he struck out 9% of the time in double a and 6.9% of the time in triple a. And these are over a, a total of like 250 at bats. Um, so that's like, I mean, that's a pretty huge improvement. That's a decrease by like 50%. Um, and, um, and he still, you know, he obviously takes, you know, good walks and whatnot. And, um, so yeah, I mean, I think I'm really excited to see, to see him. And I mean, he's still 21, like pl- anyone playing in the majors at 21 is yeah. a pretty big deal, I think. Yeah. So, and then also yeah. on that note about the strikeout rate, like decreasing under double digits is he didn't become suddenly so passive that the po- that you, the power disappears. And that's the other piece that really makes it appealing, right? Is sometimes you see, especially again with young hitters where they go and overcorrect to the other end of the spectrum like, oh, I can't swing at all. Right. And it's like, well, if you don't swing at anything, you're missing your pitches as well. Um, the power doesn't show up and then you just become kind of like a statue. Right. Or like a slap hitter when you don't need to be a slap hitter. Um, and so he didn't box himself in that corner. He was able to figure out how to be more selective, find his pitches. So you see the home run totals um, are nice. He's still able to get on base overall uh, for extra base hits as well. And uh still keep the swing and strike and, and swing and miss stuff out. So that's good as well. Uh, we're going to pivot into talking about Grayson Rodriguez. Um, obviously he had been demoted by the Orioles uh, back to triple a, uh, but two really like one good triple a start and one really good triple a start that he's made. Yeah, it was, um, it was good to see him kind of get back in his groove uh, recently in his um in his in these two most recent starts he's gotten a ton of whiffs uh, he had 27 whiffs in uh, i think like 97 pitches two starts ago and then this last one uh, was 17 and so that's good but you know like uh, lamar and i were talking about the show and it and lamar mentioned that like you know no one's ever said that like grace Rodriguez has just lost his stuff completely um and what's you know good to see from you know, kind of more of a command side, because um, I mentioned this on the podcast a few weeks ago when we talked about him, is that his his changeup was just like all over the place in the middle of the zone, high, um, and just getting hammered. Uh, fastball command was erratic. And looking at this most recent start on the 15th, um, his fastball was high in the zone and high out of the zone, didn't miss a lot in the middle of the zone, didn't throw it low very often. 
Um, so that played up. And then his changeup improved dramatically, the locations on it. It was almost all low and arm side. And that's like exactly where you want the changeup. I think it looks like he only left one or two up in the zone really at all. So um, that's really exciting for me. Um, and even the sliders looks a little better too. So I think that's kind of the the biggest thing that I'm um, looking at with him is just making sure that he doesn't just like leave his best pitches, like make, make his best pitches irrelevant because he can't like locate them effectively. And, you know, hitters can hit good pitches if they're in bad locations. So, um, so yeah, I think that he's definitely working his way back. Um, I think Lamar, what was the over under that we set? Was it four starts? Cause he's done three so far. Um, oh, I have to go back and look. Oh, I wasn't prepared. Uh, I do remember we made an over under bet. I can't remember if it was four starts or like a month. If it was time period or, or starts, but yeah, he's done three so far, so he's. I have there. to. I have to go back and uh, see if I can find. Let's see what 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 episode was that? Was that his debut episode? The episode uh, when he made his debut, or was that preseason? No, that was no, that was like two weeks ago. Oh, was it? Yeah, because that was when he was demoted. Oh, okay. And we were like, okay. how long is yeah, he how long, how long? Okay. I'll have to go back and see if I can find that. Yeah. And then I'll, I'll, if I can, I'll try to put in the show notes of, of what the over-under was and where we are. So thank you. I, I'm going to make a note to myself right now to find that. All right. All right. All right. Um, so uh, I don't have anything to add about Grayson. I, I think um, Jake represented you know that very well and, and represented my point of view, like I say, which is just, you know, it, it's, it's not, it's not a stuff based demotion, right? It's not a, Hey, we don't think you're good enough to pitch in the major league sort of thing. It's, we know you are, we have to just make it happen. Like we some recalibration. Yeah. Needed. Yeah. yeah. Um, so then we have some more pitching stuff, uh, on this week in baseball and we'll try to go through it really quickly. Um, I'm going to kind of jump around. Uh, Mike Vassell of the Mets promoted from double A AA to triple A. He's a guy, I'll be honest, I have not looked into deeply, but I see his name like all the time when I'm looking at pitching leaderboards, different sort of uh, stats, K minus walk, et cetera. Um, he's always kind of top 10, top 15 and all those sorts of things. Uh, so I think a lot of people that are in on Vassell uh, are, are excited, obviously to see him promoted to triple A and with the way the Mets season is kind of going, it's, you know, they, there's definitely an opportunity for him, uh, it seems like, to get to the major league level before the season is done. Uh, Jake, I don't know if, you, if you're if you a vassal guy or or if you have any specific thoughts. Yeah, he started to make appearances on my uh, Top 10 Pitchers at Stash articles recently. Um, I think his first appearance was last week, and, and this year he was bumped up to fourth because of the promotion. Um, and I mean, he's, I think he leads the double a in, in walk rate, or he's been among the leaders in double a, or even the minor leagues in walk rate among qualified pitchers. Um, and so, you know, he has a deep arsenal that he could command, which is going to play for anybody. Um, and I've watched a couple of his starts and, you know, nothing really jumps off the page stuff wise. It's not like, oh, that's a wipeout slider or, um, you know, high velo fastball, but he, he does command it very well. He puts it in good locations. And so, um, you know, you don't necessarily have to have like huge stuff, huge velo. I think he's more of like a crafty guy that'll get by on, on locations and, and having a deep arsenal. And so I think that, you know, I think he's long, I think he's going to be like a longevity guy, like a solid three, four rotation for, um, kind of his peak in his career. So I, I think he'll be a dependable MLB starter, um, you know, as soon as the second half of this season. So, um, definitely a, a, a big fan of his, but it's not like, 
he doesn't have the tremendous upside of some of these other prospects, but I think he will be a solid starter. Gotcha. Um, and then two uh, prospect bullpen related notes here. We had uh, Keaton Wynn for the Giants. Uh, making his major league debut and then immediately getting option right back down. But he came in Um, funny enough. So I picked up win just because I needed like any sort of cheap, like super cheap uh, bullpen help, like for my, for my matchup, I should say. And uh, I was able to grab him. He got the the hold or he got the save. I'm sorry. He got the save. And then immediately was optioned out, and then I let him go. And I was like, thank you for your service, Keaton Wynn. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, I don't think there's there's a whole lot there. Yeah. Uh, it'll probably be more interesting if they do bring him back up to see how he plays out of the bullpen. Um, but speaking of playing out of the bullpen, Dre Jameson, uh, essentially uh, ma- uh, the Diamondbacks manager, pretty much going on record saying he's in the bullpen. They're, they're done with trying to make him a starter. Uh, He's, he's permanently in the pen. Uh, Jake, I shared this news with you a few days ago, like right when it broke. And you were like, wow, I, I was right, but also like I'm surprised kind of. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, and it's like, and I think I, another thing I said was like, I wouldn't be surprised if he's their closer next year. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you did, have... go on record, you did go on record about that pretty early on. Um, I mean, Scott, uh, I'm probably going to, Butcher the last name. Um, I don't know if it's McGuff or McGaw. Um, I'm assuming it's, it's McGuff. Um, yeah, but he definitely had a shaky return to the major leagues. I know a lot of people were, you know, high on him uh, coming back to the major leagues and seeing him as like a very cheap uh, reliever to add his beginning month uh, and a half or so with Dimebacks. Not good. He has improved. I actually have him rostered on one, uh, one or two teams. Uh, but you know, he's 33 journeyman i don't think they're married to him and you know if jameson's going to be in the pen probably wouldn't be surprised if he starts to get some of those chances especially as good as the dimebacks have been uh there will be save and hold chances for him to have uh so i think i think that also will become interesting because if they're as competitive as they've been do they want to shake up that bullpen and start handing over those chances kind of experimentally? Because those are games that you need to lock in to be a division winner. And, you know, who knows what else? Uh, I think it probably would have been an even easier call if Jameson performed the way he has, if the Dimebacks were not very good, because then it's like, well, we can kind of punt a little bit, you know, it's kind of easier, but when you're one of these teams, you know, uh, Orioles have improved diamondbacks, uh, the Rangers to an extent, even though the Rangers kind of, this is, this is what they were trying to do because they invested all that money in Simeon and, and Seager anyway. So it's like, this is, they want it to be this good. But when you're some of these teams where it's like, Oh, we're improving. Oh, the reds are a good call. Right. Where it's like, Oh, you're improving. And maybe you're a little bit ahead of the game of where you thought you would be in the timeline of your rebuild or whatever the case may be, you start to have some interesting decisions when it comes to who do we trust with these opportunities? Are we still kind of building to the future? And so we want some of our young guys to get that experience and get that timing. And now knowing that the short term, it may hurt us competitively if they do fail. Um, or do you stick with veterans to say like, I know that they're not going to be a part of the long-term plans, but we need to secure wins now um, because we're doing well. And like, who knows the future is not promised to us. So um, Drake Jameson, but I, you know, it's interesting. And, and definitely I think if you um, 
or in a redraft, I think he's somebody to probably highlight and keep an eye on how he's doing uh, because he might be a cheap under the radar, uh, under the radar sort of um, reliever that you can probably smuggle in for very cheap because most people are probably out on him now as a starter and not necessarily paying a lot of attention to him. Uh, and then if you're in dynasty, if you are not rostering him, then maybe he's somebody that you can take a look at um, potentially at, you know, making a small trade for, or, you know, uh, mm-hmm. picking up if he's on the wire. If you do roster him, like, know your value. He might be somebody that gives you something little nice, little, you know, something extra. Or if you're really well stocked as far as your pitching overall, or, and especially in your bullpen, you might be able to let him go and get, you know, flip him for something decent coming back. You know, you don't just have to let him go for, for nothing. So, uh, Jameson, interesting, interesting guy, interesting player to to watch uh, in that space. So, with that being said, uh, we're going to take a break. We're coming back. We're going to start with the lower minors, some guys that are putting up some very interesting stats uh, that are not, you know, super well known. Um, so, we can highlight some players that you might want to start keeping an eye on right after this. All right, and we are back. Um, so. Where I want to start is I'm going to start in the DSL. And typically, and I think I've kind of gone on record before about this, like the DSL, especially, I don't pay a whole lot of attention to um, for all the reasons that you always hear, right? It's just quality is going to be probably the poorest that you have out of all the affiliated um, leagues. Uh, This person actually is a perfect example of trying to find information on players that are in DSLs like can be almost impossible unless they are like like the the big time million million dollar bonus like signees um if they're not and they happen to just be you know doing something kind of interesting and it's like again unless you have like actual sources or you're actually dug into the scene it can be near impossible to find video and this player uh what I did was I went straight to Fangraphs looked at the leaderboards, just plugged in some some stats here. Uh, and I just looked at, for the DSL, people who are 19 or younger uh, have a... Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. So uh, what I did was I plugged in uh, some some ranges, some some criteria into uh, the leaderboards on Fangraphs. So I was looking at in the DSL anybody who is nineteen 
or younger, uh, having at least a 15% walk rate. So want to have something that's pretty robust as far as the walk rate, because if you can't walk there, I don't know what to tell you. And I want to have somebody that had a really high WRC plus, like somebody who's really, again, right, 100 is the league average. So I want somebody who's like well above average in DSL. So I was looking at 150 or higher as far as WRC plus. So literally 50% or higher better than league average. Uh, at the top of that list with a 422 WRC plus is outfielder your friend Medina of the LA Dodgers. Shocker. All right. Dodgers have All right. <laughs> another flair um, to keep an eye out on. And so the stats, uh, you know, there's, there's no reason to go through the line. Obviously, is they've they've only played about seven games total, I think. Uh, Medina's played in five games. He's 9-14. Uh, seven of those nine hits have been uh, extra base hits, including four home runs, four walks against three hits. Or I'm sorry, four walks against three strikeouts, hence the walk rate being high. But again, it's like almost vaporware here. There's no video I can find on him. There's no real write-ups or scouting reports I can find on him. Uh, I've seen, I was, I don't know if I was telling you this, Jake, or somebody else, but like even just searching through like Twitter and things of that nature, I think I've seen like three photos of him and that's it. <laughs> like it's, it's almost like, like does this guy actually exist or is he a fake baseball player? Um, also another, uh, for some people, like major red flag is he's repeating DSL. And for a lot of folks, that's like I, no bueno. Uh, he was 17 last year. It was a very meh uh, debut. Like there was nothing awful about it, but it was definitely not, you know, anything to write home about. So now he is 18 uh, in the DSO, doing much better. It's a name. You can probably, I, I don't know his roster rate, but I have to imagine it's like 1% on fan tracks, maybe two. Um, so you can almost guaranteed to find them for nothing. If you got an open spot at the end of your farm, you know, take a shot. We'll see what happens. Uh, we know the Dodgers, you know, again, we've talked about it all the time, international, uh, college, high, they, they just, they have their fingers in all the pies when it comes to finding talent. So you're from Medina, again, completely scouting the stat line there. Um, we'll see, you know, in the in the months and going into next year if there's anything else there uh, when it comes to him. A second player, a little bit more background that we can find on, uh, is at low A right now for the Brewers and that shortstop Johnny Severino. So what I did here was I looked at uh, low A specifically, 19 or, or, or younger again, at least 150 WRC plus again. Then I was looking at having an OPS of at least 800. So again, somebody that can get on base, hopefully have some slugging as well. And to back that slugging piece up, at least an ISO of 170. So even if they have like kind of even just average pop or better, just somebody that's not just a slap happy guy, or like we were talking about before, get on base, you know, a really robust on base percentage, no slugging at all because they really don't swing at anything. Not looking for that guy. So we have, at the top of the charts, leading uh, 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 with that criteria, Johnny Severino, four home runs, two doubles, and 28 plate appearances thus far. Uh, but we also still have some red flags. Red flag number one, 3.6% walk rate. The K rate is not is not super high. Um, I actually should have okay. known what the K rate was, um, and I didn't. But uh, the walk rate is like almost non-existent. So he's swinging. Okay. Uh, 
Also, with him swinging, 56.5% fly ball rate. So he's putting a lot of balls in the air. That does not, like, that's over-indexing when it comes to fly ball rate. You do want to have a higher fly ball rate than ground ball rate when you're talking about trying to get into power. But, you know, 50% and more really starts to tip it the other way where if all your balls are in the air, you can't hit all of them out. (laughs) And a lot of them are going to end up being fly balls and into pop-ups that are, you know, almost automatic outs. So one thing that I did think was helpful when it comes to Severino is I saw that our good friend uh, Chris Clegg was, uh, you know, talking about him as well um, online on, on Twitter, retweeting uh, a couple of things coming out of the Brewers uh, player development page. Um, so, you know, if I'm in line with what Clegg's thinking, I tend to think, okay, I, I probably am on the right path um, as he's one of the brightest uh, minds that we have. Um, in the industry. So that's always yeah. like a green flag, right? Like that's like a good thing. Um, yeah, all right. But but the other piece uh, is with Severino, like actually looking at some of, of the video that's tweeted out of what he's doing so far um, at the low A level is getting into the how he gets the results. I'm liking so far what I say about the how he gets to the results um, and the results themselves. Again, if you look at uh, and and actually I'm I'm remembering now when I put in the criteria for age 19 or younger, I did not specify the league. So I was just looking at age 19 in the minors overall because I remember uh, um, what is his name for the Yankees? Kiner Delgado, which is like one of their major international signees. He was showing up uh, across the leaderboards as well. Very similar as far as stat line of you know home run, uh, some some pop, some stolen bases as well for Delgado. So, um, you know, Severino is a guy that, again, sort of similar to Medina, you got a spot or two at the end of your minor league uh, farm, or, you know, you're really in a, in a robust league where you can kind of roster almost everybody. I've seen those leagues too, which is kind of crazy to me because like <laughs> my brain can't comprehend just picking up all these prospects. Um, but yeah, he's a guy that you can probably stash. Take a look at it at the end of the year. How does he finish up at low A? What are the Brewers going to do with him? Are they going to have him repeat? Or are they going to bump him up? You know, because again, I, I'm not saying they're the same player, not at all, because I, I I doubt that the profiles are coming anywhere close. But we know with Jackson Churio, like it didn't take the Brewers long to say we got something here and let's move him up. Not saying Severino is that guy. I'm just saying the organization has shown that they are not hesitant when it comes to bumping younger guys up through levels that seem to be able to produce quickly. So those are my two guys. I know you have a, a name that I'm continuing to see here over and over again. Um, and this is, is he at low A or is that high? He's at high A now, right? Yep. High A. Okay. So who's your guy from the lower minors that has a robust stat line? Yeah, that's uh Sung Che Chang. Uh, he is a, a middle infielder, primarily second baseman for the pirates and, um, you know, like I mentioned, he's at high A and this year he has like taken some huge strides forward. Um, his WRC plus is 169 in, uh, 236 plate appearances there. Um, and he has really in, uh, increased his power output, which is, which wasn't something that was expected. Like, you know, the fan power grades are, a, you know, a pre- for the 2023 report are a present 20 future 35 for game power. And he's like blown that out of the water, you know? Um, and so it's interesting to see if that will stick, if these are like real, you know, gains that he's making, he 
Um, he did increase the fly ball rate a little bit from 28.9 to 32.7 and then had a corresponding decrease in ground ball rate. Um, so, I mean, you like, you like to see that, especially if he's going to, you know, hit more homers because his home run to fly ball ratio more than doubled. Um, and so like, you know, that looks good. Um, he does carry a super high BABIP, but he has always carried a super high BABIP. He hasn't had one lower than 321. Uh, and this year it is at 364. Um, so, you know, the 318 batting average is probably a little higher than maybe his true talent, um, at the level. And so, um, you know, I think he still continues to develop and he could be like a, you know, 270, maybe 280 hitter at upper levels. Um, but you know, so he's also super fast and in in general, if you can kind of like beat out some ground balls then your Babbitt will, will bump up a little bit. So, um, you know, so he's made some some really good strides. Also, in his plate approach, he's uh, increased the walk rate, decreased the strikeout rate, and now he walks almost as much as he strike outs, strikes out. Uh, it's at 0.87 BBK, so uh, and he strikes out 16% of the time. So, like, I mean, this is becoming a very well-rounded profile. He has speed. He has all of a sudden developed this power that didn't seem like we expected him to. Um, and so, yeah, he's um, making the most out of the opportunity at high A. Uh, you know, he kind of struggled for a lot of the year last year. And then the final month of the season, he was on fire. And so it's good that he kind of like continued. He went to the Arizona fall league and did pretty well. And so he's kind of like been on this upper trajectory for a while now. And so I'm sure he'll cool off and he won't finish the season with almost a, w- a 170 WRC plus, but, um, he's made some real gains to like his, his kind of underlying skills. And, um, yeah, so it's, I, I really like, like, uh, like him so far. Yeah, uh, I, I was mentioning, and it's one of the things where you see it in the timeline, and you're like, ah, oh, I should have saved it so I can quote it verbatim. But somebody had posted uh, his his stat line, uh, but it was kind of like you know mystery player. It was just saying, you know, this shortstop at high A has done this and posted the stat line, and was making the point of saying it's not Jackson Holiday, right? And it's like, mm-hmm. um, it, and it's actually uh, Chang. So, uh definitely I, I think he's somebody that come the off season, once everybody kind of recalibrates and redoes their list, that's where you're going to see him make some major movements. So if He'll you want to be in on him, yeah, if you want to be in on him, probably now's the time before those mm-hmm. updates start to roll out, uh, you know, yep. mid season and, and at the end of the season, uh, because mm-hmm. that's when, before he gets a double A. Yeah. Yeah. That's when people take note. Um, also editorial note on mine, I was uh, digging some, uh, information up while you were speaking there, Jake. I misspoke. Um, my player Severino's at the complex league. He's in rookie ball. He's not in low A. So okay. first and foremost, that's my fault. I, I botched that in the outline. Um, he was in uh, complex league. That's why I was seeing him in Delgado, and like that makes a lot more sense. Um, and then just because I, I I felt like just throwing jackson Churio's name around is just kind of irresponsible so i was like let me just take a look and see exactly how irresponsible it was it was highly irresponsible um even just uh-huh. mentioning him what he did it, 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 in the dsl in 2021 and then they put him they did put him in low a in 2022 and just it, it, it's it's not i shouldn't have never mentioned his name forget blank that part out like jake will leave it in but mentally you guys can just blank that part out i don't know why i even yep. brought it up um but that's that's just to to clear up what um what I was saying there about Severino with Chang to get back on track. Um, yeah, like I was saying, I think he's somebody that's going to be a high riser. So definitely want to make sure if you're going to target him, now's the time to make your moves. Now's time to pick him up if he's available. Um, 
if you're looking at making a trade. Like, I also think, would you agree with this, Jake? We talked mm-hmm. um, a couple of weeks ago, we had our kind of two-parter about, you know, win now and then if you're rebuilding for the future. He seems like a perfect target for a rebuilding team, right? To, to yes. be able to, to get value where he's right on the cusp of getting into the upper minors. His prospect value is seeming to grow. Um, and you have that. So, so from a asset almost standpoint, it's like, even if I don't believe in him permanently, if I don't think he's going to be a permanent part of my team, I can get him for low and then send him back out to get even more. And you have a guy who, if you do believe in the talent is like, he's only a couple of years away. Right. Uh, and we know mm-hmm. the the pirates are still kind of churning through. Um, they're not still completely set everywhere um, positionally. And, you know, as they continue to become more and more competitive, you know, maybe he gets a spot with them, but also maybe he gets dealt in real life. And we always know prospects that get dealt. Um, they can fall into even better opportunities as well. So I think Chang is just like a perfect sort of uh, intersection of all the things that we like to see when it comes to prospecting. Um, not not very well known, not very well pedigreed, kind of outperforming what his scouting report says, but with something to kind of back up why he's out uh, outperforming it. Uh, and and being able to jump in before you know expectations are through the roof. Yeah, yeah. I think I think I mean I think everything is legit except for potentially the power. Mm-hmm. I think because that's because we don't really have like you know exit velocity numbers at high A, and um, at least I don't have access to that. Um, and so you know it's hard to kind of see besides like the fly ball rate, home run fly ball ratio, ISO. You know, like kind of how the power is going. And so it could be a, just a hot stretch. But if this is something that sticks, I mean, like that like that kind of single-handedly determines his um, ceiling, you know, like he could be like another kind of, um, you know, kind of like speedy middle infielder with good contact rates. And that would be solid. But if he could kind of continue this, this power and I mean, he's slugging 581. Um, if he could slug like 450, I think that's a big difference maker. So, um, so yeah. And, and like you mentioned with, with rebuilding, I mentioned on the last episode that I have a 15 team league that I did a horrible draft on in the off season and I'm trying to rebuild a little bit there. Uh, he, I'm, I'm uh, talking with the team uh, that has him about um, trading them some starting pitching and he's, I'm trying to have him be like the throw in at mm-hmm. the end, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that he is a great candidate for that in deeper leagues. Like, Oh yeah, give me this prospect. Yeah. He's yeah. hitting pretty well. Yeah. Like, you know, so I, I think that he's a good, good kind of like a second or third trade piece right now. Quick, quick aside on that note. I don't I don't know mm-hmm. if we've ever talked about this when you negotiate and I don't want you to give like you don't have to give away all your trade secrets here. <laughs> but like yeah. when you negotiate for a guy like this where it's like I really like him, but I don't want to mm-hmm. give away that I really like him because then the other team is gonna like ask for more, they're gonna catch one of that. So I wanna yeah. kind of position him as they're just like, Oh yeah, I'll take this, you know, just throw it in. Um, like how do you kind of how do you negotiate that? I'm curious. And again, like as deep as you wanna go into your psychology how, how do you how do you do these things yeah. but I'm, I'm always curious when you see a guy and you're like how do i get him as the throw-in because he's not he's not value enough valuable enough to center the trade around but also if i make him like the second piece of the puzzle that's going to like send up a flag to the other team like ah what's going on here let me do you know my yeah. due diligence so yeah. how can i get him as like the oh yeah guy yeah <laughs> Fair. And I think that um, I so I never try like actively try to to fool anyone. Mm. Um, and 
I think that if 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 I think if you roster Chang right now, you probably know about like what he's doing and how he's improved because he's not very well known. Um, he's like that's a 15 team league and the other leagues I'm in, I think I'm in two 12 teamers and he's not rostered there. Um, and, you know, so it's like I think someone has done their due diligence and kind of knows a bit about him. And so um, I think it, it it would kind of be confirmation for them potentially to ask about him. Um, and so it's, I, I think that in, in my mind, it's like, okay, even if they know that I really like this person, like I still won't pay higher than the, the, what I think the value is. And if I can't get them, I can go get someone else. Um, so, and it's also like, if you're not actively having conversations with the person you're drafting with, it is, I think potentially more easy to get away with it. Like, oh, like I'll send you this offer. Or I'll send you this offer you counter we count like if you're, if you're having conversations with the people um i think it'll be like you'll they'll, ha- they'll have to be like oh like i like what chang's doing so far let me kind of see what's there and if they're willing to sell theoretically sell high um then you know they could do that and i think a lot of it is just like he's a 21 year old in high a how much does each manager value that like how close he is or um what he's been doing and so um so yeah it's it's tough i don't think i like if I don't want to talk about a player and why I like them, I'll send an offer and won't like open a conversation. Um, because that's, it depends on the league. Some guys will always want to talk about it. Some guys like I just, like someone sent me an offer the other day without saying anything. I accepted it. And like, that was that like, (laughs) all right, cool. (laughs) You know, so that happens, you know? So in some people, some people want to talk about it. Some people don't. So you just kind of have to know your league mates. Um, and there, cause like there's some teams in some of my leagues where it's like, we're just constantly sending random offers back and forth. And it's like, you know, like, okay, like that looks good. Like let's build on that or like, no, shut up. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it just kind of depends on, and kind of like how often you talk to, talk to your people. And, um, but yeah, I, for someone like him, I wouldn't be like, oh, he's, oh, he's like, why do you care about him? Like, oh, just toss him in there. Right, I wouldn't, right, right. I don't think I would do that, but I would definitely add him in a deal without saying anything. I'd be like, right. oh, maybe I get him. Right. Um, so I, real time, I just wanted to, to do a leaderboard here just to kind of input some, some factors and, and see what names kind of pop out. So I have Fangraphs minor league leaderboards up, um, plugged in, uh, 21 years or younger, uh, 135 WRC plus or greater 25% K rate, uh, or, or less than. And then at least uh, 800 as far as OPS. And this is across all levels, just to see who who pops up. So if we look at this by, let's go by WRC plus, right? If we go by WRC plus. So we have like crazy, crazy names. Like the again, the DSO guys, Medina is the top of the list, three, 352 WRC plus, like craziness. Um, so then the other thing, uh, this is also for qualified hitters okay so everybody right. meets the minimums um so that's wrc plus so if we something that i thought was interesting if we go by um let's actually go and plug in one more sort of input in here to cut this down so let's go and say um let's say swing strike is less than or equal to uh where you want to put it where you want to put it jake 15 14 percent swinging strike for for hitters yeah, yeah this is hitters 
Uh, less than less than thirteen or fourteen. All right, let's do thirteen. I think that's thirteen. Good. So, I like thirteen. So yeah. less than equal to thirteen percent apply. Now let's see what we get. Okay, cut down to forty-four results now. If we go by the WRC plus, still have some um, DSL complex lead guys here. So if we go and let's, uh, will it let me take out those levels? Let's see here, level. I know this is riveting podcasting. Um, <laughs> okay, it's not going to let me deal with levels, but that's okay. The thing that I was actually trying to drive at is if I just go standard and just look at some okay. standard sort of counting stats. Um, right. So home runs, uh, there is a name. Oh, it actually eliminated this guy. So swing and strike being 13% or less eliminated Yankee Fernandez. He was at the top leading in home runs. He was at 17 home runs. But okay. putting in that swing and strike, because he does have some swing and miss, takes him off. Mm-hmm. Guess who's number one leading home runs on this leaderboard? So this is, again, this is 21 years or, or younger. Uh, oh, with, okay. with swing and strike being less than equal to 13%, 800 plus OPS and less than equal to 25% K rate. So this is a guy, and I'll give you some hints because that's kind of rough. I give, I give you a hint. This is a guy that is at double A. Um, he's an infielder. He is 21 years old currently. Oh, okay. At double A. And this is I'm just trying to think of This is home runs. This is leading. Home, just homers. Oh man, I don't think I have. I was thinking originally, uh, like Luke and Baker, or um, uh, I just had the other one, but like Triple A leaders, mm. um, um, Trey Cabbage is the other one. Trey Cabbage is a sneaky name for y'all. Uh, he's barreling the ball incredibly well in Triple A. I don't know if I um, trust him. His his history is just his his past past performance has just been so like, I don't know. I don't know if I trust Trey Cabbage. But I but I, I I like the hard hit numbers, the barrel rate numbers. Yeah, I, like it. Sure. I like it. Anyway, um double A I'm not as familiar with. Um oh man, I don't even know if I have a guess. That's okay. Um I Cole, was just looking it's at Cole it. Too. Keith. It's Cole Keith. Is the oh my gosh. List. Of course it's Cole Keith. I just traded for Cole <laughs> Keith. I was, I've been looking at his stats like <laughs> weekly. Yeah, 14 home runs. <laughs> the name that second to Cole Keith, and this is a very long-winded way to get to this name, but I just I was I was a just kind of curious overall. And um, what would pop up, but now seeing this name, I wanted to kind of try to tease this in. Uh, number two, 12 home runs. He has a, uh, he's at single A, right? Or low A, I guess there is no more single A. He's at low A yeah. for the Yankees uh, with a, what is his WRC plus here? WRC plus. Cole Keith, by the way, has a WRC plus of how much? 168 by the way so you know that's not bad just 168 uh where's this guy okay i'm not going to do it this way i think we're still waiting on the name aren't we yeah i was i was trying to i I was trying to to uh factor it in uh or factor out the uh dsl guys and all that but fangrass is not cooperating anyways um so we're looking at jared cerna as the name Right. All right. And okay. This is a guy. He's 21 as well. Um, like I said, 12 home runs, 11 doubles, and I don't, I don't, I have him rostered, but I'll be honest, I don't know what to make of him because he's a very, very small guy. He's like five six, five seven. Uh, shout out to to fellow short kings like myself. But 
like putting up the the home run numbers and it seems like almost every day it's home run and or stolen base at low a uh and the low a league days in is the florida uh state league which is not hitter friendly um it is it's kind of known to be more pitcher friendly so part of me is like maybe there is something there right like the numbers are there and maybe there's something there i i watched some video and like nothing seems like mechanically like crazy but then it's also just like the track record of guys his his height being able to put up numbers like that up through the league it's just like yeah. I, I, I i'm just, i'm waiting for the yankees to promote him i don't know why they've kind of been slow to uh promote him to high a I, i'm sure there's there's some reason but um yeah jared cerner is just another name that i i just i find him very fascinating to to keep an eye on, especially from a stat line standpoint. So anyways, that was a very long-winded way to get to that. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to do um, the upper minors. This is really mostly guys that Jake has pulled, so you don't have to hear me talk as much um, right after this break. All right, we are back. So upper minors, we have some guys that you've pulled. Um, Jake, I think it's interesting. The one thing I will say is I think it's interesting that we've been pretty much hitter heavy when it comes to yeah like every name that we have on here why do you think that is looking at stat lines and we we don't have any pictures so i think for me personally is so i write the starting pitchers to stash article and so i am neck deep in pitcher stat lines and i feel like i know all of not i i I can't say that I know everything, um, but I've seen, go ahead and I've say seen so it. much. I've seen so much. I go, th- I do these queries every week and for me, nothing really pops out um, and I'm writing about these guys. And so I was looking for names that are a little bit deeper, a little bit less well-known that I haven't written about um, at least in the upper level of the, of the upper levels of the minors. And then I think pitching is really tough to kind of get a handle on in the lower levels because um, it's like the, the de- like the actual, results are just so varied and there's so much noise and then it's also hard to watch them you know uh, it's just like less common to see especially good angles of starts so i think that that's kind of why upper levels guys move pretty quickly and they're already on a lot of people's radars um, and i'm writing about them and then lower levels is just hard to get some reliable data and there's a lot of stat lines that pop out because it's just kind of like a very varied environment across the board Cool. Uh, I will give it away uh, to you, Jay. Who's your first guy? <laughs> All right. So first guy is Matt Rudick on the Mets. He is an outfielder, and he has posted a 162 WRC plus in 233 plate appearances so far this year. Um, you know, good power speed combo, uh, nine homers, 12 out of 13 in stolen base attempts, and um, he made some adjustments in the offseason this year. I, I you know, read an article written by Mike Puma at Baseball America and, you know, the Mets scouting director um, or not scouting director, um, hitting minor league, like hitting coordinator was talking about how Rudick had to kind of simplify his swing a little bit. He had a lot of movement and they didn't want to like get away from that because they wanted him to keep his rhythm, but they still wanted him to kind of like simplify things and not have so much going on. And, um, you know, wanted him to kind of like drive the ball a little bit more. Um, what was interesting about that is that he he didn't because, um, you know, he mentioned like ground ball rate specifically and getting the ball in the air. But he already had a really low ground ball rate and really high fly ball rate last year. And that's just kind of gotten more extreme this year. And um, I mean, it's working for him for sure. I mean, 
he has he's hitting uh, 299 446 505 for the triple slash um you know but it doesn't look like it looks like the power numbers are coming because he's hitting a ton of fly balls and not necessarily because he has a ton of raw power um so i think if that's how he gets to it that's fine um you know there's a lot of people that have success by pulling fly balls isak paredes nathaniel low lower low low it's low um on the rangers and so you know th- it's a successful thing to do right but he has a uh, let's see here is a 50, 50.3% fly ball rate this year. And he's somehow running a BABIP of like three, uh, it was three twelve or three twenty two. Usually if you see that high of a fly ball rate, you're seeing a really low BABIP, not an above average BABIP three twenty two. Yeah. Um, so that doesn't seem super sustainable. Um, if he's going to hit that many fly balls, he probably won't hit 300 or have a BABIP that high. Um, and his fly ball home run fly ball ratio is about average. So, um, so yeah, so it's like, you know, he's hitting the homers, he's hitting fly balls and getting, you know, some of them go over the fence. Um, but it's like, how much raw power does he really have? Is he going to be able to get away with that against better pitching? Um, and another thing that he's really improved on is his approach. It was, and again, it was already really good, but he's gotten even better. Um, he's at an 18.5% walk rate and a 13.9% K rate. Usually when people walk more than they strike out, it's like barely, um, they have like a couple walks more than strikeouts, but he is like pretty far ahead. It's like a 33% increase over his strikeout rate. So um, that's obviously really impressive. He obviously has a really good feel of the zone and he's figured something out that works for him. You know, like I think it's still to be seen if that'll continue to work, but it's working now. Um, it's just kind of like you could, I think, be a little wary of the batting average because of the extreme launch angle. Um, and then the power, if that'll continue, if he drops the fly ball rate. So, yeah, this is a guy I've I've not heard of at all, and he sounds fascinating. Um, I actually am interested just to to watch how he gets these results, like you're saying, the the mechanics and and what they've done to simplify that swing. Uh, So I have to make a note to try to look him up. Um, What it sounds like to me is he has the sort of like, there's one outcome where he's sort of like a fourth or fifth outfielder you know, really nothing from a fantasy standpoint that's additive, right? He's just one of those guys that's around. Maybe he gets hot. You know, if there's a, a injury sort of thing, he gets hot, has like a, a strong week, you know, wins some people, their matchups, that sort of thing, and then goes back onto the to the free agent pile. Like he has that outcome in his profile. But it sounds like he also has an outcome where he's, you know, is, I'll be honest, actually, because I, I honestly don't know this guy. Is he righty or lefty? Okay, that's actually that's a good question. I don't know if I know the answer to that. <laughs> Look, say that he could be like strong side platoon, right? And, and yeah. get the the majority of at bats uh, on the team, if not all. Um, and right, and be a little bit more productive if he's getting some favorable matchups. Uh, right, I, and we know how old the Mets roster is. I feel like they'll have a lot of spots opening up next year. Mm-hmm. Now they could just keep spending money, but they also could kind of reel it back from the insane spending because we haven't seen the results. He also has a profile of a guy. He has that like when I and I when I say Moneyball, I mean the movie, not the like philosophy. Um the like Moneyball movie or like, Hey, go get this guy. Like we were just talking about like the throwing guy. He has that profile of the Mets want to make something splashy happen during the trade deadline. A team comes along and says, Hey, we'll give you, you know, this picture, you know, these are the headline guys, but the third, fourth, 
you know, lying down. It's like, oh, and they also sent, you know, this outfielder to, you know, I don't know. I don't know who would even be in, in that trade, right, to the White Sox or something like that. And it's like, and then a year later, you know, it's like, oh, he where'd this guy come from? Oh, the Mets traded him? <laughs> they traded him away? Like, he has that sort of profile, too. Of, again, I don't I don't think he's going to be a superstar at all, but um, especially in a, uh, looks like in an OBP league, even in a batting average league, perhaps, um, you know, the stolen bases definitely help. I think even if the power isn't there, if he's really going to be a double-digit stolen base guy in the outfield, that's always, you know, that always plays well. Um, you know, there, there could be something, there could be something everyday player about him. I guess that's what I'm driving at, right? There's one outcome where he's a Mac guy and nothing really happens, but then there's a, another outcome where he's just a solid everyday player and, you know, you could get on him now and watch kind of what happens in the Mets org and elsewhere um, to see how he gets his, his uh, shot. Did you did you find whether he was lefty already? Uh, so there you go, right? Uh, any chance you got his splits up? Lefty, righty splits? No, sorry. I'm asking too much. I apologize. I apologize. Um, too many tabs. Okay. I, can be, I was going to say I can do some of my own work, right? Instead of just asking you. Um, I'll look that up because I'm, I'm just kind of curious now. But let's move on to the next name while I'm taking a look. Uh, so next you have on the list, actually, let me scroll down, Ryan Bliss, another another short king, right? Ryan Bliss, I think, is listed at 5859, I believe. Um, so, you know, depending on if he's in cleats, maybe. I don't know. Oh, he's even short. Oh, okay. I was trying to, I was giving him, I was trying to give him some inches there. Um yeah, talk about Ryan Bliss. I think this guy's very fascinating. Like he's in that he's in that Cerner level of just like, what's going on here? <laughs> so the results have been, I mean, fantastic so far for him, um, being one of the best kind of you know hitters in in Double A so far. Um, you know, but the batting average has definitely been fueled by a high BABIP. It's sitting at four twenty five, which which is insane. Um, and he also does play at Amarillo, which has an elevation of 3,600 feet, which mm-hmm. is absolutely affecting, absolutely affecting the balls in play there. Um, so it's, you know, it, it's, we're, you know, we're seeing improvements and, um, we know that he plays at a much better offensive environment and that he has a really high BABIP. So it's like, okay, how much of this is legit? The really good news, the really good news that I found is, um, also in another baseball America article, um, let me pull it up real quick to get the author's name um, by Nick uh, Pecoro, uh, Baseball America. And um, in Bliss, in this article, talks about how and about the adjustments he made from last year to this year. And he says, this is a quote from him. He said, last year, I was uphill the whole time. My shoulder tilt was uphill, which caused me to spin off balls and be under everything. This year, working with a bunch of my guys, uh, They've been helping me get my tilt down and my foot down early, which causes me to be downhill and drive balls and more about the line drive angle. And if you look at his line drive rate, it has, in fact, increased from uh, 18.1% to 24.9%. And that 25% range would be a little bit above the league average um, in most places this year. And so he's, you know, gone from a, um, see, where was his ground ball rate last year? Um, so he actually, he's actually dropped the fly ball rate by five percentage points and the ground ball rate by, it looks like two. Um, 
and to add more line drives. And a big part of what he said in that quote was like, I was getting too many fly balls in the air and it wasn't like they weren't well hit fly balls. He was mm-hmm. trying to hit homers and it wasn't happening. And the funny thing about, I guess it works uh, like hitting line drives instead of trying to hit homers is that his home run to fly ball ratio increased from 8.1% to 15.2%. Again, the elevation I'm sure plays a part there. But without the elevation, maybe he's sitting at a league average home run flyball ratio. Maybe it's 11 or 12. And that plays a lot more for a middle infielder who is primarily hit tool guy, line drive guy. If you could, you know, be league average at hitting homers on fly balls and hit 35% fly balls, thir- like 30 to 35, you'll be solid. Um, and so I think that, you know, the 366 average is a bit of a mirage. Um, maybe probably the power output he is like doubled his power output. Maybe that's a bit of a mirage, but I think that he could still um, have some sneaky pop, maybe 10 to 15 homers in the upper levels of the minors, um, maybe a little bit more um, and then steal a bunch of bases, have a good batting average, just not that high. Um, and then, you know, be a solid kind of like well-rounded hitter, right. you know? So, yeah. Cause he is, it sounds almost to keep with diamondbacks. It sounds like he almost could round into what we're seeing this year from uh, Geraldo Perdomo. Hmm. Right, okay. like a little bit, like a yeah. better, you know what I mean? Like, Perdomo for a long time, it was, you know, kind of not a not a ton of pop as far as being able to hit the ball hard or uh, hitting the ball really in the air. Most at all, it was like a lot of ground balls on his end. But now it seems like this year, for whatever reasons, because, I mean, he's made tweaks in the past and it hasn't necessarily come to uh, fruition. But this year, it seems like we saw a little bit more pop. Um, like I said, uh, increase in uh, line drives. It seems like we always know that he's been able to play defensively, so that's kind of what has kept him around and gave, given him so many chances. Uh, Bliss being second baseman, obviously the the bar for defense is a bit lower there, but um, that's just kind of the, a player profile, player type that kind of comes to mind, especially in the Diamondbacks of a guy that when you think about from a fantasy standpoint can be additive simply because he is uh as your you know middle middle infield option if you have that or you're like backup middle infielder backup second baseman he you can plug him in if there's an injury or if there's a rest day and again he's not a net negative he's going to give you something positive um even if like you said the power scales back if the batting average scales back some there's still enough there uh we we think based on the the stat line right that there's enough there that it'll be a net gain at, at least if if nothing else yeah yeah absolutely um yeah no i think that that's good i like the perdomo comp you know because he's someone who um they kind of like ah, i think we know who he is mm-hmm. and uh and then he kind of like it's not like he was hitting the ball tremendously different or um you know but he cha- made some tweaks and, and had some much better results this year and um, you know, I think the Diamondbacks have some, it, like they they have a really stacked outfield, and I think where they have some spaces on the infield, yeah. um, perhaps. So. But I mean, you have a uh, Lawler, right? Lawler. Yeah, I mean, he's not going to play short. I, I would say second or third. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Well, I guess that's the question, right? Is like, where do you put Lawler? You got to if you're going to move. Are you going to move Perdomo? I don't think Perdomo. I don't think Perdomo is going to force a whiz his way into a starting role long term. Okay. I think he's. I think he'd be a great backup shortstop. Okay. Yeah, I think that's where he'll probably end fall with Lawler coming up. Hmm. It'll be interesting because you have like Rojas has kind of been in a, a bit of a timeshare at third. 
So he doesn't yeah. have a home run yet. I was just looking at him because someone dropped him in a dynasty league, and I was yeah. like, oh, he was solid last year. Doesn't yeah. have a homer yet, and he also yeah. isn't stealing as much. He is not. I traded for him. Ironically, I traded uh, Lourdes Gurriel for Rojas last year, and this year I felt coming into the season like I felt really good. That first like couple weeks, I was like, okay, he's stealing bases, and like you said, like power hasn't hadn't shown up. Um, stop stealing bases. Then he was in a timeshare with like uh, uh, Longoria, I think. It was like a, a platoon, and he was losing at bats there. I ended up dealing him. I forget for who, but I was like, yeah, I got to I gotta get I, like, I got to let go. And then, of course, coincidentally, Lourdes Gurriel was having like a career resurgence in, in yeah, Arizona. Right. <laughs> like, uh, well, um, going back uh, to your guy, Rudick, um, so he is, like you said, a left-hander looking at his splits on this season. Um, versus lefties, he is batting 200 with a 300 OBP and mm-hmm. a 614, a 614 OPS. So, how many uh, plate appearances there? And that is in 40 plate appearances. Okay, so, yeah. so it does seem like they are now. Again, that could also just be the nature of who they play, but it does seem like they are stacking him more against the righties, which he is doing mm-hmm. quite well at. Uh, <laughs> uh, OPS over a thousand is. Uh, 1.017 is the OPS, 320, 475, 543 is the triple slash. Um, eight of the nine home runs have come against righties. So like, yeah, you know, 10, yeah. 10 of the 11 uh, doubles have come against righties. So, again, uh, just finishing up on Rudick, like, definitely see a platoon, uh, a strong side platoon sort of ceiling for him, but that could still reap some benefits, um, especially if he gets his shot. So that's Rudick, and then that's also um bliss and then to finish up we have somebody that uh like i said i have some some thoughts on this nothing too crazy but um yeah, okay. you have samad taylor who is actually we are we had caught word that he is getting a um, major league call up sometime mm-hmm. between where we're i guess i i don't i don't i don't know when the call up is official was it for today on saturday so I think the news uh, looks like it's for today. Yeah. Okay. Um. So this is Samuel Taylor. He's a second baseman mostly. I think he's also played some outfield, um, for the Kansas City Royals. Um. So what are you thinking about with Samuel Taylor? Yeah. So so with AAA it was interesting. So I wanted to try to get one AAA name in here, but it's tough to find someone who's like performing yeah. well, but isn't well known, but isn't been the majors yet. You know? years old. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly, because like it's yeah the the average age in per level really jumps at AAA. I think it's like what twenty seven or so. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm like, oh, that guy looks great. Oh, he's thirty two. Oh, that guy. Oh, he's you know. Uh, so Samad Taylor. Um, how old is Samad Taylor? I know he fit the. It's twenty four. So twenty four in AAA, not bad. Um, and it was, and I was trying to get someone who hasn't debate debuted yet. And of course, like the day after I write the outline, <laughs> he gets the call. Technically, um, still has not debuted. So Technically, yes. But well, I mean, by the time it publishes, I'm sure he will have. But um, so, so anyway, so with his actual profile, absolutely a speed first guy. He has 34 stolen bases in 40 attempts this year. Um, and he, the, I think the biggest difference maker is that he's been also getting on base um, more often this year. He dropped the strikeout rate a lot over the last three seasons um, since the 2020 loss season. In 2021 with Double A, 2022 Triple A, both with Toronto, and then 2023 Triple A this year, he has dropped the strikeout rate from 29.4 percent 
to 22.1 to 19.6 this year. So uh, pretty consistent uh, gains there as far as contact goes. Uh, also has a career high walk rate this year. And so we're looking at a BBK that's really solid, 0.72. So uh, definitely made some approach changes, and that's really helped him. And he's at 409 on base percentage. You can't steal bases if you're not on base, and that's like the biggest thing with some of these guys that are speed first. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's like if he has the opportunity to, to get on base, if he can kind of maintain this, maybe he settles in as like a 330 on base percentage guy um, in the majors. And, um, you know, can steal, I mean, 34 stolen bases in 291 plate appearances. That's pretty insane. So um, he could be a difference maker if he could find um, playing time specifically for Roto Leagues. Um, But also he doesn't have like a long history of being a like a huge offensive bat. Uh, Doesn't have a ton of raw power, um, but he can get into some. So it'll be interesting to see. I think his speed first guy that's made positive changes in his you know in his approach contact skills and so i think that's always good to see um and then anything you get from power i think is a little bonus yeah so here's my thing about taylor i i don't buy taylor really at all um (laughs) and the reason for that is because he kind of did the same thing in toronto like you were saying Mm, um, yeah in double a and toronto Again, uh, and, and so this is kind of a rehash of something, again, that I, I posted to somebody's question in AMA on Friday. But essentially what I was saying was he did kind of similar things in Toronto at the AA level. Um, Toronto, while we know that they don't seem to really be in a rush to, like, push guys through, especially when it comes to, like, really just their team as a whole, they seem kind of set with their core and, like, we'll add and tweak here and there, but we're not really rushing to, like, move – Bo Bichette out, you know, out of position, move Vlad Guerrero out of position. Um, we we kind of like what we ha- what we have. At the same time, they were, you know, willing to let him uh, Samad Taylor go for Whit Merrifield in the trade. Mm-hmm. And to me, Whit Merrifield is kind of like Samad Taylor's like ninetieth percentile outcome of being like, yeah, you know, speed, a little bit of pop, can get on base can play second base, can also play outfield. It's kind of like, so they trade it like for like, except they got the veteran version, right? The, the, the proven version versus the prospect version. Um, and then taking him to Kansas City, I'll be honest, guys, like not only is the Kansas City, like the major league club, very bad right now, their minors are not very impressive. And we always kind of bag on them about ruining pitching prospects recently. Like yeah. they're hitting prospects, not Michael Massey, um, even yeah, Michael Garcia. Thinking. Uh, I was Nick, uh, Nick Prado hasn't Nick Prado been hasn't done it. Like no. they have Vinny Pasquantino, and that's really it as far as somebody that they've really developed, and you know he has now gotten to the major league level. Um, uh, Nate Eaton is another guy. Like he they just got ha- sent down. With yeah, yeah. So they have a lot of these guys. Oh, and I guess MJ Melendez. I'll, I'll give him MJ Melendez is another guy that they've kind of like brought up to the major league level, right? And he has like a two eighty on base percentage this year. Yeah. So. <laughs> You know, it's just they they have a lot of, especially when I think about like the Eatons, the Masseys, the the Garcias, they have a lot of these like middle infield, but they can also play some outfield. Um, Tyler Gentry is another guy. He's he's completely outfield though. But, you know, they don't, just a lot of like non-additive skills. And again, we we've, I've talked about guys, we literally were just talking about uh, uh, Rudick on the Mets. Like you can be a platoon player. You can be a fourth outfield player bad or backup second baseman like we're talking about with bliss i'm not saying that you can't do those things my thing is when i start to look at an org 
and that's kind of like all they produce out of the org and then you put another guy who has that in his profile into that org i don't trust that they're going to get more than just yeah. that out of this guy and yeah. that's the thing with Samuel taylor if he was still in toronto doing this i'd be like oh okay well you know if they get tired of kevin biggio finally and they dump him and like they can have taylor as essentially the kevin biggio role like okay that's mm-hmm. interesting but you put him on kansas city it's like they might just send taylor as is like this might just be who he is now and yeah then what no. like, <laughs> Now, what do you think the odds are that he kind of has a Jake McCarthy-like arc? Maybe he comes in, he steals a bunch of bases, he gets some people excited. He would have to hit for power, I think, to mm-hmm. have that true kind of effect. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think McCarthy kind of fooled a lot of people into thinking there was more there because of his hot streak, and it was fueled by stolen bases. And, you know, even though stolen bases are happening more often, they're still at a premium in, in fantasy mm-hmm. leagues, and so it could really make, it could make a difference in redraft. My point is that, if that does happen, um, and if Samad Taylor is cheap, I don't think you're supposed to uh, like really pay up to get him yeah, right now. Yeah. But if you can get him cheap and just see if he does something like that that makes his value go up, yeah. it's possible to flip him oh, or yeah, just yeah, drop yeah. him. Oh, yeah. You know, but so it's like if you have a roster spot, if you want to see if if he like makes an impact with his legs and steals, I don't know, 15, 20 bases over the next like two months or so, mm-hmm. um, then like. I think that you could see his value go up uh, and then maybe get something out of him. But I do get what you're saying where it's like, it's pretty much the same profile that like they traded away and they haven't been a good job of developing just right. about anyone. Right. Um, even with power, like with power specifically, yeah. I mean that the ballpark sucks so much out of it. And, you know, even Vinny P hasn't been as powerful as a lot of people expected. And um, I mean, yeah, like we just mentioned all the guys. So I think it's a definitely a tough place to play a tough organization to play for right now. So um, you know, I'm not banking on it, but you know, if you have a spot, yeah. if you kind of want to take a, take a high, um, high variance kind of gamble, then it's not horrible. Yeah. I think, I think the flip idea is pretty smart. And I think your team context definitely plays a part as far as like where your farm system is specifically. Cause I think if you have a lot of, if you already have a lot of high variance guys, adding a small tailor might stabilize, right? Cause like, Oh, I have this 18 year old that could, you know, I have uh Jason Morabell from Texas who could be anything right <laughs> at any point in time, but he's like three years away from the majors or I have this guy who literally is getting promoted, even though he's might be you know, completely vanilla Um, that might stabilize your farm. So you're getting something right. Instead of just a bunch of, uh, you know, magic beans, vice versa. If you already have a bunch of some Taylor types, right. A bunch of guys that are optioned up and down or they're like, double a but maybe a little bit older for the level and you're waiting for them to get that shot especially as hitters so thinking like hitter specific if you have an opening and you already have a rock like that i would go after the you know the younger guys the the cernas and the you know medinas and the you know these you know 19 18 17 year old guys and throw some high variance into your farm in case you might be able to fall into something, you know, superstar like. Um, yeah. So I think that also plays a part too of like, do you already have some guys that mirror what Taylor has done? Then I don't know. You need another, you know, another copy of that. Versus if you need some stabilization, then yeah, I think going to get Taylor. And I definitely love the flip idea of just like, hey, let's see in the first week if he brings a little bit of spark. Maybe you know he helps the offense out overall. 
Kansas City, you know, actually starts winning some games. His numbers look really good. And like you say, with Jake McCarthy, it was like, okay, everybody wants him. I don't really want him. I can now kind of call my shot as far as what the what the market is going to be on on trading him out. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to holster that until you talked about Taylor and then dump a bunch yeah. of water on it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, man. That's the that's the whole that's the whole premise, right? Like these guys are overperforming. Like, is it legit? And with Samad Taylor, we're like, yeah, maybe, probably yeah, not. Maybe, probably not. But you might be able um, to squeeze some juice out of it. There you go. There you go. So that's our list. Um, uh, I know we we hopefully we'll we'll make it smooth, uh, but we did run into some tech issues uh, during the recording. So if it's a little more jagged than normal, uh, there's a reason for that, and we do apologize. But we're gonna try to make it as smooth as we can, like we normally do. Uh, I know as far as articles, we're pretty much still on the same wavelength. Um, we have moved days. Uh, and I believe we are moving times as well. So uh, you'll obviously hear from the uh, the podcast Twitter page as well. But we are now publishing on what day again, Jake? Wednesday. Wednesday, not Tuesday. I said Tuesday and Jake yeah. was ready to murder me. No, not <laughs> Tuesday. We were publishing on Wednesday. We were publishing on yes. Wednesday. We are now going to be publishing at 1 p.m. So a little bit later. So you can have lunch, hang out and then listen to us in the afternoon. Um, so it'll be 1 p.m. on Wednesdays. Uh, but outside of that, everything remains the same. So a uh, picture stash article from Jake, prospect watch list from myself. As always, I want to remind listeners that you can find this podcast and all of our other picture list pods on the picture list network podcast page. They're all available in the podcast section of picture list for you to find, listen and subscribe. I got that out this time. Great. You can find me on Twitter at Inside Fastball, capital I, capital F. And you can find me on Twitter at Jake Mash, M-A-I-S-H. You can also find the podcast itself on Twitter at PL on the farm. With all that being said, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Uh, happy belated Juneteenth. Happy belated Father's Day as uh, all the fathers in the audience will hear this a little bit after Father's Day. So have a good one, guys. Thank you.